Thank you, Matt and Zach. When I was loading my slides, I was telling Matt that uh, Chris, our preacher at Oldham Lane back in Abilene, uh, never liked it when the song leader would use angry words as an invitation song. He thought uh, that just didn't go together, and that's exactly what I did. I put, I put my slides in the wrong place. So <laughs> thank you for uh, going with the flow. Technology is good, but there's a lot of user error, too. <laughs> It's good to see everybody this morning. Thank you all for being here, and it's wonderful to have those of you visiting with us and uh, those of you who are with us online as well. We're, we're uh, aware of you and uh, thoughtful and mindful of you, and we want all of you to know in, in, here in person and online that we are always here available to serve you uh, at any time. There were two men I read about who were out hunting in the northern U.S., Suddenly, one of them yelled and looked at the other one. He was horrified. He was scared to death. And the other one looked up to see a grizzly bear charging them. The first one who saw the bear, he frantically starts putting on his tennis shoes. And the other guy said, what are you doing? We don't have time for that. Don't you know you can't outrun a grizzly bear? And his partner said, I don't have to outrun a grizzly bear. I just have to outrun you. Friends are special, aren't they? It's great to have friends like that, right? Great friends and special relationships are, are often rare, and, and they're meaningful to us. And that's what we're talking about is being relationally healthy. What, what do our relationships uh, look like? How should they look? Uh, for the Christian, the follower of Christ, the learner of Christ. So we're, we're looking at uh, being relationally healthy. Good friends and good relationships are special. In elementary school, when I was at East Texas Christian Academy, uh, I had, of course, several friends there. Neil was one of my best friends. His family went to West Irwin. I spent a lot of time with Neil at his house, uh, playing in his neighborhood. We had, back then, they made water guns that were battery-powered, and they looked like real guns, and we'd run around the neighborhood with these real-looking uh, battery-powered water guns and just had lots of fun doing stuff like that together, being together. In White House, when I was in middle school, Gary was one of my uh, best friends. We were also together at church at Shiloh, and uh, uh, like with Neil, we spent a lot of time together playing in the neighborhood, sneaking his mom's Diet Cokes out of the house to go out into an empty field to shake them up and shoot them with our BB guns and see how you know, big we could make the explosion and make them spin and jump. Uh, we ate all of the high-top frozen pizza his mom could feed us, and it was the best pizza we'd ever had. Uh, we just did all kinds of things. Then, of course, while I was in high school here, had lots of wonderful Christian godly friends right here in this church and in our summer youth series, that extended youth group uh, that we had for all of those years. But not every relationship is good, is it? Some of them that we've had haven't been that good. Some of them have been fine and turned out not so good, right? And, and, and probably every relationship we have has had its ups and downs, its hard times and its good times. And while you can't control the choices of others, can you? Uh, 
And sometimes they make some detrimental choices. You can control your choices in your relationships. And that's what we want to try to focus on is how can I take the responsibility of my choices to have healthy relationships? Do healthy relationships just happen? They, they just happen magically? You don't have to do anything? No, we, we know that in reality, to have healthy relationships requires a choice that I make. And it requires effort, doesn't it? And sometimes we just don't feel like putting in the effort. And sometimes we let time pass and we realize we hadn't put forth much effort. But healthy relationships of any kind require effort on our part. Now, for some people, relationships are pretty easy, aren't they? They get to know people. Some people get to know others and make friends very easily. And for some people, it's hard. It's hard to, to get to know people. It's hard to make friends. Some people have lots of friends, and some people have a few but really close friends. And all of that is okay because that's just part of being human. That's all because we're different. So we're talking about our final choice in that outer ring of the core of being relationally healthy. And it's a choice, as I'm saying, that we have to make. And again, that comes out of, it's driven by uh, the, the engine of spiritual growth, that core of a humbly submitted heart to God and a biblically formed mind. And so when I'm working on my core then that engine will drive my choices and it will help me to have healthy, godly, Christian relationships. So I cannot, as, as a follower of Christ, if we're examining what it means to be a disciple, if we're looking at all the parts and the organs and, and all of the things that make up a disciple of Christ... I cannot have healthy relationships, according to Scripture, godly Christian relationships, if they are not uh, a, a choice, an extension of a humbly submitted heart and a biblically formed mind. Why? Because then I don't know how Christ made relationships and interacted in relationships. Well, so are you saying there are not people out in the world who are not Christians, who don't even believe in God, who can't have positive relationships? I'm not saying that. You can make friends with people based on interests and, and work and things like that and have a good, decent relationship. But that's not what we're talking about, is it? We're talking about if I want to be a disciple of Christ, if I want to learn from Jesus, if I want to be a follower of His, then that means I want to have relationships the way He he would want me to have relationships. And, and so I need to examine his word. I need a heart uh, humbly submitted to him and a mind uh, formed by his words. Relationships are just a part of being human, aren't they? Because God created us. God is a relational being. We mentioned the Trinity in uh, Bible class this morning. You may be in a relationship that's not healthy and godly. But you might be able to do something about that through your choices that you make in a relationship. Maybe it's a friendship that hasn't been very positive. It's been kind of negative. And you're kind of in this stuck friendship, co-worker, whatever it might be, relationship. And it's not doing much to draw you closer to God. In fact, it's probably draw, draw, pulling you away from Christ. 
It's not all that positive. And so you've got to examine, is there something I can do in this relationship uh, to make it healthy? Maybe it's a marriage that needs work. Maybe you need counseling. Maybe you just need someone to talk to, an older couple to talk to. But you for sure need to first commit to put God first in that relationship. We're going to talk about that. And commit to making it work no matter what. Joyce and I have known couples and seen relationships where the marriage fell apart. Sometimes even a very, very, very young marriage And when you look at it and you analyze what happened, uh, neither party decided, you know what, God is first and we're going to make this work. Neither party did that and guess what happened? It didn't work. It didn't last. It fell apart. Maybe you're in a dating relationship and you've been sexually active and you need to choose to say, you know what, that is not for a Christian relationally healthy. I need to stop that. I I need to maintain purity in this dating relationship. So what do healthy relationships look like for a Christian? If you'd been able to follow Jesus around when he walked on earth and and, and observed him and listened to him as he interacted with people, what would you have learned from him, from the relationships that he had? Well, unfortunately, we can't do that, but we have his word that God has given us. And so when we examine his word, when we study his word and we read the gospel writers' accounts of him and we read the other inspired writers of the scripture, what do we learn from God's word about healthy relationships? Well, of course, we could spend a quarter or a year on this subject, but we want to take a few Uh, moments and look at one main scripture in Colossians chapter 3, if you'll turn there with me. And then we'll look at a few others briefly. But let me read this, and it's an extended passage, but I want you to hear the whole thing. So follow along with me and be listening through the the, the, be listening with the ear for uh, hearing about relationships. That's what you're listening for. So Paul begins in Colossians 3, starting in verse number 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Verse 11, Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, 
in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul tells us that disciples of Jesus have to put to death some things, don't they? There's there's something you've got to do. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, you're going to have to put to death some things. That means that these things aren't to be pursued because these things are earthly. And you're not to pursue these earthly things, these things of the earthly flesh, that fallen nature, that sinful flesh. And that these things also are sources of temptation. Look at the list on our next slide through verses 5 through 9. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk, lying. Now that passion there is not just passion for your your career or passion for a hobby that you have or for your family. That word there is talking about a fleshly, corrupt, ungodly passion, uh, like a sexual immorality. That, that That kind of passion is what that word means. So these are obviously, just by looking at the list, you can tell with any common sense, yeah, these things aren't good for a relationship, are they? These things don't make for a healthy relationship. Whether you're talking about a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, a boyfriend, girlfriend, a spouse, these things do not help you have healthy relationships. And Paul says that the follower of Christ needs to put these things off, to put them to death, is what he says. Now, at the, at the, at the, Look at, look at what he says in verses 9 through 10. He tells us why. Because he says, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Now, when did you do that? Well, we've looked at that before when we've studied baptism. But what he's talking about is that moment you became a Christian... And when you were united with Christ in baptism, you died to your old self. You put off that old self and put on that new self. And so now you've got to live the rest of your life continuing to put off uh, the old self, Paul says, with its practices. Do you see that? These are the practices of the old self. And Paul says, you need to put them off. You need to put them to death. You need to let those be buried and live in your new self. Who's my new self? Walking in newness of life, Paul wrote in Romans uh, chapter 6. Who you are in Christ after you are a Christian. And that, that, that new person is to be renewed after the image of its creator, he writes in verses 9 through 10. Now, at the root of all these unhealthy and ungodly characteristics is, I believe, one thing, one word, and that is selfishness. Do you see it? Do you see that? How is that so? Because it's what I want, what my body wants, what my emotions, unfiltered emotions want, what I want in my anger, in my passion, in my uh, whatever it might be. These things, at the core of them, at the root, is someone who's selfishly just acting out, doing whatever their body, mind, emotions wants to do. Not restrained and, and constrained by the gospel of Christ, by the word of Christ, by the mind of Christ, but just unleashed and unhinged, and that body is just acting, uh, doing whatever it wants to do. 
So selfishness is at the root of all of these issues. And in fact, selfishness is the arch enemy of a healthy relationship, isn't it? Think about the times you've had a difficult time in a relationship. Now, of course, it could be a choice that they made and, and, and a coworker simply did something uh, ugly and ignorant, right? And it hurt and it affected your work, your relationship. But when we're talking about your, your relationships and your role in a lot of times, most of the time, what's at the root of that is selfishness. If you think about, well, what's the problem here? What's causing the issues here? Why are we not getting this resolved? A lot of times, if not all the time, it's because you want what you want because that's what you want, right? And that's not the way a follower of Christ is to live. And so as we become more Christ, more like Christ in our relationships, our relationships are to become more Christ-like. As we become more like Christ, our relationships are to become more Christ-like. Does that make sense? So if my relationships are not very Christ-like, not very godly, don't reflect someone who's a follower of Christ, who's learning from Christ, then that tells me I might not be very Christ-like myself because it's not being reflected in my relationships. So instead, Paul writes in verses 12 through uh, 17, Christians are to put on these things. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bear with one another, forgive one another, love one another. We're to put on the peace of Christ. We're to put on the word of Christ. Worship we see there in the text. Service to God and thankfulness. Now, not any. there's not one of these that will hurt any of your relationships, is there? Not, not one of these will hurt and damage any of your relationships. In fact, every one of these will do nothing but enhance your relationships, no matter what they are. Coworker, a uh, 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 person at school with you, uh, neighbor down the street, uh, someone you have to interact with on a regular basis, extended family, that, that, that crazy uncle, whatever it might be in your own home, every one of these will help you to have healthy, godly, Christ-like relationships. See, we would love to have perfect friendships, perfect uh, marriages, perfect families, wouldn't we? That, that, that'd be great. But guess what? The problem is they, not you, right? They keep messing them up, right? Because none of us are perfect. And so because we're supposed to be putting these on and striving to live like this and striving to have Christ-like healthy relationships, we're still going to fall short. Now, the problem is it's easy to blame them instead of, instead of me. But this is where I need to start if I want healthy relationships and not count on them to do, but I need to start it myself. And, and we'll always have bumps in the road. We'll always have uh, issues that pop up. We'll always be challenged because that's just life in this world as a human being. And our job is to try to live more and more like Christ. Uh, just like we choose to work out and eat right, for any of you that happen to choose that way <laughs> of life, 
You, it's a choice that you make, right? It's a choice you make to eat better. It's a choice you make to work out. And, and the same is true with our healthy, godly relationship. They're choices that we have to make because they don't just happen by accident. We have to put forth some effort. Jesus told us, let's run through some, some other passages. Jesus told us that the greatest command is to love God with all our heart, soul, and strength, Right? And then he said the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so that's, that's, that's at the core. That's at the foundation. But then look at what he said in Matthew 10, 37. And there he says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So Jesus is clear. Your first love, who you love the most far beyond anyone else, is, has got to be God. He is the one you love. And then all your other relationships line up behind that. And that's why when you get that love right, remember uh, 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 in Revelation, there's the letter to the church, and they said you've, you've fallen from your first love, you've lost your first love, Right? See, when you've got to keep that first love right, and when that first love for God is right, then your relationships uh, uh, work out just fine. They, they, the, the order is in the right order. And so Jesus said, don't be loving your, your mother and your father and your spouse and your family more than you love me because then all of a sudden relationships aren't going to be healthy uh, the way they should be for a Christ follower. Our love for others grows out of our love for God. Now, look at 1 John 4. 1 John 4, verses 20 through 21. John writes, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. So Jesus isn't telling you to not love other people. In fact, that's what he said in the second is like this, right? But don't love, them more, don't love other people more than God. See, your love for God takes precedent over your, every other relationship. And then when you get that right, you can get the others right. And then he says, but at the same time, the Bible says, you can't not love somebody while you claim to love God. Does that make sense? You can't hate somebody, be horrible to somebody, be evil towards somebody, and claim you love God and have a right relationship with Him. The Bible says it don't work that way. If you love God, then you must also love others. Now, that might look different, different kind of relationship, different kind of circumstances, right? But there still must be a Christ-like love there. Finally, we look at what John also wrote, but in John 13, 34 through 35. Listen to what he's, Jesus says. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Well, Jesus, they would have said, we heard that before. That, that's in the Old Testament. But Jesus said this is a new commandment. What, what's new about this commandment? He says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. But he wasn't finished. He said... Just as I have loved you. That's the new part. That, that's what was new. They were already commanded to love one another. The new part was to love one another just as I have loved you. 
And then he says, you also are to love one another. So then, then in verse 35, it says, by this, when you follow this new commandment to love as Jesus has taught us to love, as he has loved us, by this kind of love, people will know that you're my what? disciples. That's what we're talking about. So when I learn to love the way Jesus has loved us, when I learn to have uh, that kind of love in my relationships, and I understand relationships get complex and complicated, right? And there's all kinds of different scenarios. But we've got to look at the fundamentals and get those right first, don't we? And he says, when you love like I love, then people will see that because that's not the way they love in the world. People will see that and they'll know that is a person who follows Jesus. That you have love for one another. See, in the Old Testament times and up until now, they didn't have that living example of Jesus to show them how they ought to love and interact in their relationships. So it's our, it's our love for others, our love and care for others, and how we interact in our relationships that show people this is how we're supposed to have godly Christian relationships. So I'd say being relationally healthy is pretty important, isn't it? It's not just for the women. It's not just for uh, grandmas. And grandpas who want to love on the grandkids. No, this is for the Christ follower, a part of our responsibility, a part of the makeup, the components of being a Christ follower, is I've got to have healthy relationships. And that's hard sometimes, isn't it? It's kind of like Romans 13 and 14. That's hard to live out a lot of times. But the Bible still says what the Bible said. I've got to figure out, how do I live this out in real life? Keeping Jesus as number, the number one relationship in your life isn't going to guarantee all your relationships are wonderful. But it's going to guarantee that you're in control of your choices and you're making godly, Christ-like choices in your relationships. So I want to ask you this morning, are your relationships bringing you closer to Jesus or pulling you from Jesus? And what do you need to choose to do about that? I'm not saying end a, necessarily end a friendship, end a relationship, end a marriage, certainly not. But I'm talking about what do you need to do to help that relationship be more healthy? Perhaps you do need to put some distance between a friend or somebody who's pulling you away from God. Maybe you need to commit to some work in your marriage. Maybe it's a friendship. Maybe it's a family, extended family. But we're supposed to have Christ-like, healthy relationships. And that's an ongoing job, isn't it? When none of us have arrived. We're all a work in progress under construction. But that's what God calls us to do. If we can help you this morning, you know, it starts with your relationship with God. Maybe you need to start that and... Put on Christ in baptism. Be united with him in the watery grave of baptism. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe you just need to ask for prayers or you need to let somebody know, I need to study with you. I need to come visit with you and sit with you. If we can pray for you, help you in any way this morning, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.